Hello, and welcome to Sleep Talking Moms Podcast, where we talk through practical sleep advice for busy moms and their kids. I'm your host, Kayla, and today we are going to be talking about sleep props. Yay, sleep props. (laughs) Neutral sleep props. Neutral, (laughs) yes. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they neutral? That is going to be the topic of our discussion today, because I think that there's a lot of, uh, there's both sides of this issue. There's some people that strongly feel there are sleep props that are bad. There are people who strongly feel sleep props are good. And I'm kind of more of a middle of the road type of person. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, Kayla, you said it best before we started sleep props really are neutral unless they become a problem. So before we jump into that, let's kind of talk about what sleep props are. And you may also have heard them referred to as sleep associations, um, sleep crutches sometimes, which that, that definitely does have more of a negative connotation. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I can't think of any others. I'm sure there are other, other things, but for the, for the purpose of this podcast, we'll use sleep props. Um, so a sleep prop is really anything that we need to fall asleep. And I say we, because it is not just a baby or a toddler or a preschooler thing. It is all ages. All of us have sleep props. So Kayla, what are, what are some of your sleep props? What do you need to fall asleep? So in order to fall asleep, I do need a sound machine. I need the room to be completely dark. Um, so, and we're like super high tech and I put a blanket over <laughs> my curtain rod, uh, so that it's completely dark for me. Um, or I use like my eye mask thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to have a pillow on my head and on my side. That's how my husband is. You, you know what? <laughs> Actually, a lot of the things you said are how my husband sleeps. And I'm just well, like, you're weird. You're, he's, <laughs> he's a, um, he gets woken up easily, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's yeah. I'm the same way. And so like, I need all the things, all the things. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. So I, I can sleep just about anywhere. I am not a light or sensitive sleeper. So we sleep with a white noise sound machine, which I love, but I can sleep without it. No problem. I would say the only things I'm like picky about, like I love, I love my bed. I can sleep anywhere, but I, you know, I prefer my bed and my pillow that keeps my neck from hurting because I'm getting old. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, some weird, like clothing things that I would consider props. I I need to have socks on when I sleep. I don't sleep barefoot, which my husband thinks is weird. Do you think that's weird? Yes. I'm the exact opposite. (laughs) And then I really struggle to sleep if I'm wearing shorts, because if the skin on my legs stick together, it really like irks me and I can't fall asleep. So I have to wear like leggings or long pants to sleep. That's weird. Yeah. No, it's not super weird, but I am noticing that like we're each other's spouses (laughs) (laughs) because I sleep like Derek and Nick has to have socks on. Oh, wow. Um, He can sleep just about anywhere. Um, I think some of that is like military too. Cause like, if mm. he needs to sleep on the floor or whatever, he mm-hmm. can, mm. um, but yeah, we are, we kind of married each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We did. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into the, 
uh, yeah, psychology. Feels there. Like a, yeah. <laughs> so go right through that. Those are kind of some of our adult sleep props. Um, when it comes to our kids, what, what are your kids sleep props? What are, what are mine? Let's talk through those. Sure. Sure. Um, well, when they were young, um, Imri definitely used a, a pacifier. Um, mm-hmm. but I took that away pretty quickly cause I didn't want to deal with the backlash later, um, mm-hmm. that I knew that I may had to have deal with, um, Imri funny. Um, you were just talking about flying squirrels. Um, so he has to sleep in his flying squirrel. If it is being washed, um, or it's not available, he will stay up. (laughs) Um, and so he has to have that. So I am going to have to learn how to make those, um, (laughs) because they, at some point (laughs) are not going to make his size. And then Ellis, Ellis actually has a lot. And I think a lot are due to him being autistic. Um, he's very particular about what goes in his bed, but he has two pillows and his pillows have, um, pouches in them. And he puts, he's allowed to put three toys in the pouch. Um, and he has to have three toys. Exactly. His stuffed animals that he has have to be organized the same way every single night. He has to have two pillows the exact same way. And then he has the same three blankets on. And if any of them is missing, he will know. It doesn't matter if it's super hot outside um, and the upstairs gets, you know, a little humid, a little more humid than downstairs. Um, he has to have those three blankets on. That's so sweet. He That kind of reminds me a little bit of Campbell. Now Campbell's bed is a disheveled mess. Nothing is like ordered, but he has like probably 20 stuffed animals in his bed. He has several pillows along with like ones on his side. And then he has these itty bitty dino like stuffed animals that he stuffs in the pillowcase. So they kind of like peek out and look at him while he sleeps. (laughs) It's really cute. (laughs) So yes, Campbell has those things that he likes. He doesn't need them in a particular order necessarily, but he needs them all like surrounding him in bed. Like he needs to feel like super snug in there. And I would say Ethan is a little more like me where he's, he's a little more go with the flow can, could pretty much sleep anywhere. Um, but he obviously also has white noise and darkness and all all of that good stuff to help him sleep. And he was, uh, I don't think Campbell really used the pacifier much, but Ethan was addicted to the pacifier as, as a young little baby. And, you know, we did the same thing where we ended up having to get rid of it because it became a problem. Not that pacifiers are bad or you should never use them. And there are some cases where they're a great sleep prop, but for him, it was not helpful. It was, it was a really bad situation for him. So yeah, let's talk a little more specifically now about the sleep props that that babies, young kids may have. And I'm sure that these are things you guys are well aware of, but just so we're all on the same page, you know, things like being rocked to sleep, um, being held to sleep, laying with someone to fall asleep, having the pacifier replaced, bottle feeding to sleep, nursing to sleep, bouncing on the yoga ball vigorously to fall asleep, you know, kind of all of those things. Are there any big ones I'm missing? Um, I guess like in falling asleep in the movement of a swing or a car seat or a stroller, those are, those are kind of the basics. And, you know, again, just to reiterate, 
we're not saying that any of those are bad. Those ones that I just listed can fall under the unhelpful category at some point. Doesn't mean they're always unhelpful. Does not mean that it's bad to do those things. So if you're listening to that, this, and you're currently doing any of those things, that is not bad. Okay. Um, it, this isn't a moral issue. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just a matter of if it's serving you and working for sleep or if it's not. Some other sleep props are also some things that Kayla and I mentioned, but that tend to be less problematic because they're more consistent and constant are things like white noise and a dark room. Those things help your child fall asleep. Um, having, you know, specific sleepwear that they like. So a sleep sack or a flying squirrel, um, a swaddle, whatever stage you're at there, specific PJs that they like. And then another thing would be like having your consistent bedtime routine that leads into bedtime. That's also another aspect, another prop that helps them fall asleep. Well, if you guys know me very well, you know that I really like analogies. So of course, um, I kind of came up with an, an analogy as it applies to sleep props. And I would like to compare sleep props to relationships. And maybe this is a friendship, maybe this is a romantic relationship, but if you are in a relationship that is quote unquote bad, is no longer serving you, is not working, is not healthy, it does not mean that that other person is bad and is a terrible person and should never be in a relationship with someone else ever again. And, you know, it does not mean something about that person. It most of the time just means it's not working. Your relationship together is not good. You're bringing out the worst in each other. It's, you know, it's, it's not a healthy relationship, not a relationship that makes you happy. Um, and so I would compare sleep props to that. It doesn't mean that any one sleep prop is bad, but if it's not serving you, if it's not helping you towards your sleep goals or working out for the family as a whole or individuals, then it's not helpful. And it's probably time to say goodbye to that sleep prop. Okay, Kariana, since you kind of just talked about a relationship not working for you, um, breaking up with this person, or in this case, sleep prop, um, can you kind of explain how we know a sleep prop is no longer helpful? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I would say it's unhelpful if you find yourself in a place dreading every sleep time because you're dreading the hoops you're going to have to jump through to get your child to sleep. So if you're feeling like that, um, if you're heading into the night and you know that they're going to be up more than you can handle or more than you would like to deal with more than you think is also age appropriate. Cause there's obviously an age appropriateness factor here. Um, but it, you know, if it is disrupting their sleep and your sleep more than is age appropriate, that would be another sign that the sleep prop that the help they need is, is not helpful. Um, a lot of, a lot of other signs would be things like short naps, difficulty falling asleep for those naps, really difficulty falling asleep anytime, um, early wakings. And then just if your child 
or you or any member of your family is just really struggling during the awake time, crabby, fussy, Mm -hmm. just not, you know, speaking, speaking as moms, not being the mom that you want to be during the awake time when you're parenting, because you're so exhausted from keeping up with the sleep props, all the other times that, that your child is, is resting. So those would be some signs that this may be an issue that we need to change. The other big thing, the, the word that always comes into my head is sustainable is what I'm doing sustainable. And maybe it's sustainable right now. And for this time frame. but I'm going to hit a time frame in the future where I feel like, nope, this is no longer sustainable. Maybe right where you're at right now, you're thinking, no, I don't want to do this another week or another month. I can't. Um, so kind of looking to see if the patterns you're in are sustainable as well. Another big point I want to make when it comes to sleep props is that it is never too late to change your child's sleep props, to change their sleep association. So if you're at all feeling like, you know, things are going okay now, but if I don't sleep train my child by X time, then I'm screwed. That is not true. I don't want you to feel any kind of pressure around the timing because an 80 year old can change their sleep props. It really, there's no cutoff where it becomes, well, too late. You missed the boat. Now you can never make a change or your child will always need to be bounced on the yoga ball to fall asleep. That's just not how sleep props work. So we can always make changes around our sleep habits. It's just a matter of what the right timing is for your individual family. All right. So if we find ourselves in an unhealthy sleep prop pattern or our child is, because we can talk about us too, right? Like if you wanted Mm -hmm. to one day decide to not wear socks to bed, then (laughs) you can do it. I could. Yes, I absolutely (laughs) could. And Kayla, if you wanted to sleep without like pillows all surrounding you, you could do it too. I could. I could. I have no if it, desire. If but there's I like could. a pillow shortage one day and you <laughs> like it's not a sustainable habit and you had to get rid of your pillows, you could do it. I could do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if your little one is in this unhealthy sleep prop cycle situation, do you have any advice or anything that can be kind of helpful um, for parents that are in that situation? So the, the obvious response that I'm going to get to is, you know, this is where some form of sleep training comes in and everyone has different goals with sleep training. But the first thing I want to say before we even go down that path is don't beat yourself up because I talk to parents on a weekly basis. And usually the conversation starts with them saying something like, I know this was wrong, but this is what I did. Or I know I, I just set myself up for failure. I know I dug myself into a hole and I, I always want to like pause them. And I tell them, you know, what you did worked for a time. It's no longer working. So you're looking to change it and that's okay. So please don't beat yourself up. Don't feel like you've done something wrong. You failed your child or you've, you know, you deserve what you're going through. I don't want you to feel that at all. There shouldn't be guilt around having sleep props that are no longer working. It's, it's okay that they served you for a time and now you're moving on from them. So that's absolutely okay to do. 
And, you know, this is where sleep training comes in. Um, If you're wanting to change habits and honestly, you are sleep training, even if you're just changing from maybe you have to vigorously bounce your child to sleep to get them to sleep. And maybe you simply want to change that to being able to calmly hold them to fall asleep. So you're not like, you know, getting a workout yourself as you put them to sleep that is sleep training. If you want to move from bouncing them to sleep to just being able to hold them to sleep before you transfer them, or maybe you want to be able to fully lay them down awake and have them do all the work themselves. That is also sleep training. So I think sometimes we get in these little ruts of, we think sleep training has to be one specific thing. Um, when really it can be a broad spectrum of things and really just means that we need a plan in place. We need to make sure we're setting them up for success with their environment, with their schedule, um, with their routines, and that we have a plan for how we're going to respond when they struggle with the change that we're implementing. So having a method that dictates how we're going to respond to them and how we're going to act when they do have this struggle. As you were talking, I was just thinking about how like anything that you want to change is can is training. Yeah. And people have such like sleep training has such a bad rep of like you're not helping your kids, you're the worst. And mm-hmm. it's just like no, if there's if you're doing anything that's not working for you anymore and you're trying to change that, that's training. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm Absolutely. nutrition training every day. <laughs> like yeah. people are, yeah. Yeah. So, and the, yeah, the really um, frustrating part is a lot of the people who are anti-sleep training, they actually do teach methods where it's like, okay, you're getting, you want to get away from nursing. You want to be able to just have your child lay there next to you in bed. Like that is sleep training. <laughs> like you're changing your response, habits. you're changing yeah. habits. Yeah. But they don't, they, they, yeah, it's like totally lost on them that the very thing that they're instructing is the same thing that I'm instructing. Yeah. Just well, varying like, degrees. You're just constantly training your kids, basically. Yeah. Like, even if you aren't intending to. Yeah, exactly. It's just, a, yeah, a mind, a mind frame perspective mm-hmm. thing. All right. So I know we went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but here are the main takeaways that I want you to walk away from this episode knowing. All right. We all have sleep props. We all, all of us, no matter our age, all of us have sleep props. Sleep props are not inherently good or bad. It's much more about what is serving you, what is working for your family. That's how you determine if it's a helpful thing or if it's an unhelpful thing. And third thing I want you to know is you can always change sleep props and sleep habits. There is no magical age where you're too old to do it, where you can't make changes, where you can't change those habits. You can always make changes. So please don't walk away from this sleep prop chat feeling any kind of guilt or shame about things that you have done that are no longer serving you. There is no deadline that you must meet. Okay. If it's not serving you now, you can choose to change it now. Or you can choose to wait longer, and that's okay, too. Thank you for listening, and here's how you can best support us. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and drop us a review. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can give us a follow and leave a five-star rating. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Bye, guys.